Amen. He is risen. And welcome as we celebrate this morning the most significant event in world history, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says this as recorded in the book of Revelation. He says, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. The word of our Lord. Let me mention a couple of announcements this morning as we begin our service. This coming Thursday is game night, and if you would, be sure to check the box on your connection card so that we'll know how many are coming. It'll be here in the DFC at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. And be sure to fill out your connection card, by the way, and drop it in the offering plate as you're leaving. Also, next Thursday, or next Sunday, we're having a baptismal class for those who are interested in following the Lord in baptism. And uh, that will be held in the youth room in the the DFC. So if you're interested, uh, maybe take a note of that and put it on the connection card. uh, And we'll be sure to have that, all the uh, material for you. And then again, our Easter offering is going to the people of Ukraine. 100% of it will go to help with some of the relief that is needed there for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine. And then be sure after the service to take your lily or your fern with you when you leave today. And I'm hoping somebody will remind me to remind you at the end of the service to do that so that we have all these lilies and ferns taken home today. All right, it's great to see everyone this morning. I'm going to ask Robert to come and open us in a word of prayer. He is risen. risen. Jesus, our risen Savior, all glory and praise to you, for you bring light to our darkness, joy to our sorrow, and fullness of love to our hearts. On this resurrection day, we ask you to renew our hearts, minds, and bodies with the joy of this Easter service. Father, we come together, led by your Holy Spirit, to sing your praise, to confess our failings, and to receive your forgiveness and love, made possible through the sacrifice of your Son. Guide us to keep focused on your Holy Word that is all-encompassing and pure. Allow us to be a reflection of your peace and enlightenment to this world, which is so desperately needs your eternal presence. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our calls to worship together. He lives. Three stanzas. I serve a risen Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is leading, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need it, He's always near. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus. Along my zero way, he lives, he lives, 
reading for this morning comes out of the book of John, chapter 11, where we have the resurrection of Lazarus that is getting ready to happen. Before this, Mary and Martha have experienced the death of their brother, and now Mary speaks with Jesus as he has come to her, and he asks her, do you believe? Please read these words with me after Mary answers that I believe that there is resurrection. We'll begin in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. May God bless the reading of this word.
please be seated. This morning as we go to the Lord in our prayers, we want to be remembering uh, those who need our, our prayers. Larry Ingram is uh, hoping to come out of Baylor Rehab tomorrow, and we'll pray that uh, that happens. Continue to pray for Joan Williams' husband, Richard. He is home on hospice. Those who are living in our senior living facilities are Flo Smith, Winona Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, and Tony Myrick. And our homebound members are Dudley Perry, Cindy Bellmeyer, and Bill Guzzi. Let's pray. Dear Father, on this Easter morning, we give thanks for the hope that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. It was out of love that he died on that cross for our sins. And it was out of omnipotent power that he rose from the grave victorious over death. His victory over death assures us of our resurrection and our victory as well. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. You see, death has been followed up, swallowed up in victory. And that victory is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, on this Easter morning, we lift our voice in praise to you. You have given us victory. And Father, we pray for those that have been mentioned here that need your healing touch. You, O God, are the great physician. You know every need. And we pray for each one as a member of our church family. Father, we pray for our country. And we ask that you give our leaders the wisdom they need to guide us, especially in these difficult days. We pray for the people of Ukraine. We especially pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that your protection and provision will be right there with them. Father, we pray for the men and women who serve in our military. We pray for Omar Silva, Sean Carnes, Colin Graves, Abner Mauricio, Tyler McCarty Cogis, Joshua Davis, Nathan Hayes, Colby Hayes, Devin Guzman, Matilda Pritchett, and Jason Maxey. And Father, we always pray for our police officers and firefighters and others who are risking their lives to make our community a safe place. Father, we pray that you'll give us the grace to worship you in spirit and in truth. And may our praise always be acceptable in your sight. And may the Lord Jesus be fully displayed in us. And may, may we draw others to him. Today, Father, we trust in your promises. We rejoice in your faithfulness. We hope in your word. We believe in your son. And we rest in your grace. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we prepare for communion, let's sing a hymn that covers the high price Christ paid for the debt that we owe and the victory he gained in Christ alone.
that was nailed to a cross. The cup that we partake of reminds us of the blood that was poured out for our sins. And that's what we usually think about as we partake of the Lord's table. But on this Easter, we also want to remember that Christ is risen from the grave and he's coming again. Our communion scripture is from Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Your heads with me. Dear Lord, this Sunday morning, all Christians everywhere remember that last supper you shared with your disciples. 
But we also remember that first Easter morning, the day when the world realized that no cross could ever hold you and no grave could ever contain you. And since then, we've shared this bread and cup together in anticipation of the day when we can share it together with you. Until until then, our faith teaches us that all sinners everywhere can find their way to this table. It's a place where we can find a new way of living through your Holy Spirit, where they can be born again, set free and forgiven of their sins, set free on the wings of grace and mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Ah, the best seat in the house, surrounded by all these great singers. Let's sing together. This is Amazing Grace. the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the holder with holy thunder and leaves us breathless. In awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you will take my place. That you. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love. That was very good, choir. That was awesome. Happy Easter. And uh, everybody that was at our Easter egg hunt yesterday, thank you for being there. It was quite a good time. <laughs> In fact, that's Stephanie's first official act as our children's director. So let's give her a hand. And I was also told that I hogged the hot dog grill. So I'm sorry, Doug, Alan. Next time I'll let you cook some. Our scripture today, our offertory scripture, is one that needs no 
introduction whatsoever. It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever will believe in him shall never perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray about that. Lord, we know our tithes and offerings can never buy your love. We can never buy what's never been for sale. You, you tell us that our love is free and your love is free and we believe you, Father. All you're saying is just let me be with you. Let me guide you through not only these hallelujah Easter moments, but those dark, I'll never leave you alone moments as well. And if we ever wonder how much he ever loves us, just remember his son spread his arms along the beams of that cross as far as they would go. And I said, I love you this much. Bless our tithes and offerings this morning, O Lord, this Easter morning, and bless Pastor Scott as he brings us our message today, your message, and thank you for your unconditional love. Happy Easter, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, and we'll be at chapter 16. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, it is page 722, if you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible. 722, if you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible. We're in Mark chapter 16, and we will be reading verses 1 through 8. Mark 16, beginning at verse number 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early in the the morning, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, it had been rolled away, and they, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of the Nazarene, who was crucified. Well, he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Let's pray. Father, on this great wonderful morning 
this Easter morning as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. I pray that the words that Mark records for us will help us to better grasp what really is going on, not only in, on that day, but what is, what is taking place in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. They called him the man of a thousand voices. His name is Mel Blank. You may not recognize the name, but you would recognize his many voices. He was the voice of many of the Warner Brothers cartoon characters. Bugs Bunny, uh, Elmer Fudd, uh, Tweety Bird, and many others. And if you've ever watched those cartoons, I hope some of you have watched some of them, you know that at the end of every one of those cartoons, they would come on and would say, that's all, folks. And that was always Mel Blanc, along with the many characters in those cartoons. Well, in 1989, Mel Blanc passed away. And his family thought, what better tribute to our good family member than to put on his headstone, that's all, folks. Mel Blanc has got his dates, that's all, folks. Now, I'm not sure where they're coming from spiritually, but I will tell you this. If somebody did not know who Mel Blanc was, and they walked past that tombstone, and they looked at it, that would be a conversation starter. <laughs> is that all there is to life? Is this it? Is this life all there is? Is that all, folks? You know, if there is nothing after the grave... I must tell you that this life would be a pretty gloomy, miserable life. There, there would be no hope of a, of, a, of a beautiful future. And there's certainly no, um, no means of dealing with the scars of this world. So this morning, we're going to look at Mark's account of the resurrection. And certainly Mark presents some very solid evidence for the resurrection, and we'll look at that. But what I really think is important about Mark's account is that he helps us to see the impact that his resurrection is to have in our own lives. Our, the way we live our lives, and the way we look at the future. Now this morning we're going to, we're going to follow the steps of three women. And uh, we're going to follow their journey. It's, it's a journey of discovery. But it's a life-changing journey. And there are three words that really, I think, um, map out their journey on that morning. And the three words are, um, <laughs> the first word, anoint. There it is, anoint. The second word is alarm. And the third word is afraid. They go to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. They are alarmed when they look inside and they leave afraid. So let's take a look at these. First of all, let's look at the women. They come to anoint the body of Jesus. Now Mark tells us it is the first day of the week. Now that's not Monday. The first day of the week is Sunday. It is Sunday morning. It is the third day since Jesus has been crucified and buried. And three women... They're up at the crack of dawn. They're up in the early morning. And they're on their way to the tomb, the garden tomb, to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. They've already bought the spices. They're ready to go. And in fact, 
the, the whole the thought of, of Jesus being risen from the grave, it, it never crosses their mind. The, the whole idea of a resurrection is never on their radar. They are going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. In fact, as they're walking on their way, Mark tells us that um, they have a, a conversation amongst themselves. Who's going to move the Who's going to move the stone? The large stone that has sealed the tomb of Jesus. It kind of raises the question, by the way, where are the men? I mean, where are the disciples? Why aren't they coming? These women are going there because they want to uh, demonstrate one more time their, their love for the Lord. They want to express their commitment to him. Where are the men? Where are the disciples? Well, they're nowhere to be found. So it's the women who go. And when they arrive, to their surprise, the stone has already been rolled away. In fact, in verse number 4, Mark tells us that when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Now, who moved the stone? Who moved the stone? Well, the Jewish leaders didn't move it. In fact, they went to the Roman authorities and insisted that the Roman authorities seal the tomb and guard it with Roman soldiers. It was not. It wasn't the religious leaders. It wasn't the Roman soldiers or the guards. It was their commission to guard the tomb and make certain that it wasn't opened. And it wasn't the women. And it wasn't the disciples. And the stone didn't move itself, okay? So who moved the stone? It was an angel. Now Mark doesn't tell us that, but let me read what Matthew tells us. Matthew says that an angel came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now Mark tells us this is a very, very large stone. And I think this angel just rolled it back like it was styrofoam. He just rolls it back and he just gently sits on top of it. Now, let me read the rest of what Matthew says here. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were as white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. I mean, that was the most... I mean, these are battle-hardened soldiers. And they are just terrified. They're, they're unable to move. And when they finally kind of get, uh, capture the moment of themselves, they cannot get out of there fast enough. They are tripping over each other to get away. Now, by the way, why did the angel move the stone? It wasn't to let Jesus out, okay? He's already out. It was to let people look in so that they could see that the tomb was empty and by the way you know these large round stones that they would roll in front of the tombs at that in those days archaeologists you know what archaeologists called them they called them the rolling stones all right all right so here the (laughs) the the women the women are at the tomb and their their name mary of mary magdalene mary the mother of james and Salome and when they arrive of course the tomb is empty you know this is what separates Christianity from every other 
religion. Muhammad is buried in a grave in Mecca in Saudi Arabia. His bones are there. Confucius is buried in a tomb in China. Buddha, he was cremated and his ashes were screwed through several burial mounds in India. But when you visit the tomb of Jesus, and I've been there, it is empty. Only Christianity has a risen and living Savior. And this is what separates Christianity from every other religion. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most... Christianity is the most irritating religion on this earth because it is so unique and different. The empty tomb just screams, He is risen. And it is the women who are the first ones to see it. They're the first ones to hear from the angel that he is risen. And they're the first ones to tell others about the resurrection. Now, here's what's interesting. Mark actually records their name. Did you notice that? Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. He's recording their names. And this is quite unusual. Because in the Gospels, for the most part, women are never named. Only here, especially in Mark's Gospel. Read Mark's Gospel. Not one woman is ever named until here. You meet uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Is never, is never named. The woman who came up and touched the hem of his garment to be healed. She's anonymous. The woman from Syria, Phoenicia, who wanted her daughter to be healed. She is anonymous. The, the widow who put the two mites in the temple treasury. She's anonymous. The woman that took this expensive ointment and, and, um, and poured it on Jesus' feet. She's anonymous. The women through the Gospel of Mark are all anonymous. But when you come to this moment here, Mark names them. And that is because anybody who has questions about the resurrection... Anybody who has doubts about the resurrection, you merely need to look these women up and ask them. Examine them. Cross-examine them. They were there. Mark records their names for the people that he was writing to in that day so that they could actually ask them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you know, that's because even back then, even back then, there were those who said, well, The disciples made it all up. It was all a fabrication. There was no such thing as a resurrection. In fact, in that culture and in that day, the testimony of women was not, it was not well accepted, to be honest with you. Um, And some would argue that, and some did argue that, because the resurrection is based on the testimony of women, it can't be accurate or true. That was the culture back then. That's not what we do today, but that's the way it was back then. But think this through for a minute. Think this through for a minute. If the disciples were fabricating the resurrection story, do you really think they would, they would show that the women were, the, were courageous and they themselves were cowards? Hiding in a room? If, 
If the disciples made this story up, do you really think that they would show that it was the women who went to the tomb first and saw the empty tomb? Or do you think they would have recorded it was they who were there if they were making this up? The disciples and the gospel accounts are simply recording what actually happened. In fact, selling the resurrection based on the testimony of women in that day is a bad idea. But this is how it transpired. You see, the gospel writers, they're not trying to sell us anything. They're trying to tell us something. They're trying to tell us that Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. In fact, the disciples and the women, they did not believe until the evidence was overwhelming. Not one person, not the women, not the men, no one believed in a resurrection until the evidence spoke for itself. And you know, that is surprising because you would think that, that at least the disciples amongst themselves would be discussing this. Didn't Jesus say that on the third day he would rise from the grave? And he did, many times. And you would think that somebody would say, maybe we should go look and see. But it's the women who do. So the first word is anoint, all right? First word is anoint. And that is the idea of they are going to a grave to anoint a dead body. Now let's look at the second word. The second word is alarm. The women, they're at the tomb. And they look inside. And Mark says, let me read verse number five. They entered the tomb. And they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting at the, on the right side. And they were, there it is, alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, or Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. And in fact, see the place where they laid him. And in fact, now go tell the disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. When they look in the tomb, they don't find a dead body. They find a real living angel. And the angel, he wants them to know, hey, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth? You found the right place. You came to the right address. But you know what? He's not here. He's not, he has risen from the grave. He is not here. Here at the garden tomb, these women, these women have discovered the most history-altering, paradigm-shattering, life-changing event that has ever occurred on this earth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important event that has ever taken place on this earth in human history. The, and, and just as the rising sun dispels the darkness of the night, the risen Christ dispels the darkness of death. The resurrection. This is truly the crowning event in our Christian faith. Now, notice, by the way, the angel... He says, to the, he says to the women, now go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. You know, you know, Jesus could have told the angel, here's what I want you to tell the disciples. I want you to tell them how disappointed I am in them. 
I want you to know, I want them to know how, how they grieve my heart, how sad they make me feel. I want them to know that I'm bitterly disappointed in how they abandoned me and walked away when I needed them most. That's not what he said, is it? In fact, Jesus says, I'm eager to see them again. You know, as far as Jesus is concerned, the fact that they have failed him, they deserted him, they abandoned him, Peter denied him. You know what Jesus says? It's water under the bridge. You're forgiven. And they haven't even asked for forgiveness. But he's already forgiven them. You know what that is? This is a word of grace. It is grace to our hearts to know that the Lord is this forgiving and this gracious. In fact, he even singles out Peter. Did you notice? He says, tell the disciples and Peter. Now, why do you suppose he mentions Peter here? Well, you know what Peter did? He did the unthinkable, didn't he? He denied the Lord. Not just once, not twice. He denied the Lord three times. And you know that Peter is feeling especially defeated and discouraged. And I know I'm speculating. But if Jesus would have said, go tell the disciples that I'll meet them in Galilee. If that's what all he would have said, you know what Peter would have told them? You guys go. He doesn't want to see me. Not after what I did. And that's why I think the Lord knows Peter needs that extra word of encouragement. He needs that extra measure of grace. Tell the disciples and be sure to tell Peter, I want to see you. You know, I think that's the Lord's way of saying to Peter, Peter, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. I've still got an amazing plan for your life. And he does. You know, Peter goes on really to be kind of the lead uh, disciple. He goes on to uh, preach the greatest sermon ever preached on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people are saved. He goes on um, to write two of the most amazing books in the New Testament. Even though he, he was a big screw up, you might say, God still forgave him. You know, <laughs> his screw up was the biggest But his repentance was the deepest and his grasp of God's grace was the greatest. And he went on to be a great leader. And to me, it it just tells us of the power of God to work in our lives. So many times we tend to grovel in our past because we've failed and sinned. But I want you to know something. Jesus has a word of grace for you today. Just as he did for the disciples. You know, by the way, th- this is the difference, by the way, right here. This is the difference between religion and Christianity. In religion, it's, religion says you have to be strong. You have to be good. You have to, you have to do everything right. Only then will, will God's power and God's blessings flow through you. You see, God's power and his blessings, they, don't, they, they, only, they only flow through those who are strong. You know what the gospel says? The gospel says that the power of God and the blessings of God, they flow through those who are weak, those who are humble, and those who are repentant. The gospel says that's how we're saved. We're saved when we, we acknowledge our failures, our sins. 
when we own up to those things that we've done, our weaknesses, and we turn from them. You see, just as Jesus humbled himself to die on a cross for our sins, we humble ourselves, own up to our own failures and our own sins, and that's when the power and the blessings of God come to us. Well, the angel goes on, by the way, by the, way the angel says to them, he is risen. He's not here. He's, he's gone. The resurrection of Jesus Christ assures us that our sins have been forgiven. Our debt, our sin debt has been paid. You know, when, um, when someone is convicted of a crime and they're guilty and they're sent off to prison, after a number of years when they have served their sentence, they can walk out of that prison free. Right? That's how it works. They paid their debt to society. They walk out free. When Jesus came out of that tomb, it was an indication to us that our debt, our sin, had been paid and he walked out clear and free. Our sins have been paid. You know that old hymn, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. You know, when I was growing up, um, I used to have something called an etch-a-sketch. You remember those things? You know, you could turn the knobs and make all kinds of things. And when you made a mistake, you just turned it upside down and you shook it. And turned it back over and it was all wiped away. That's what Jesus does. He wipes our sins away. So, first of all, the word is anoint. They're coming to anoint a dead body, but the body's not there. Then they're alarmed because the body isn't there. Let's look at the third word, afraid. Interesting. Mark ends the account of the resurrection with the word afraid. In the NIV, and that's the NIV, the last word is afraid. And look at the words that are there. This, this is um, kind of unusual. Trembling bewildered and afraid is that how we're supposed to think of the resurrection you know what I think I think this is a brilliant conclusion and I'll tell you why one it certainly connects us to the emotions of that moment for the uh, women it connects us to feeling what they must have felt that day the uh, the bewilderment the, the trembling of it the power of God is at work here something's going on but more than that, I think it connects us to the decision that has to be made when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, we can go through life in one of two paths. We can go through life on the path of fear. The fear of loneliness, the fear of suffering and sorrow, the fear of, of brokenness, the fear of uh, disease and, and even death. We can walk that path. But there's another path we can walk. And that's the path of faith. You know, these women, yeah, they leave bewildered and afraid, but they will encounter the Lord. And their fear will turn into faith. And I think that's, the, that's where we need to go. We need, as people, to realize we can walk in fear or we can choose to walk in resurrection faith. We can choose to look at life through the eyes of faith. And, and that's what changes everything. It changes the way we, we live our life in the present. 
And it changes the way we look at the future. You know, there's a there's an old, um, that's not real old, it's by the Gaithers. There's a hymn, and I think we're going to sing it here in a minute. And it goes like this. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living because I know he lives. You know what? We can walk in the faith of the resurrection. The resurrection faith. And and we can face the very worst that life can throw at us. We can, we can walk uh, the, the, the walk of a resurrection faith and, and we know that we can overcome all those fears and all those anxieties because we know that one day things like loneliness and uh, brokenness and sorrow and suffering and disease and death, we know that one of these days those are all be gone. In fact, you know what? The worst, the worst things that, that, that life can throw at us here on this earth, the worst that life can throw at us, in the end, will only enhance our eternal joy. The deeper the scars on this earth, the high, <laughs> the greater our joy in heaven. In fact, the deeper they bury us, the higher our resurrection will be that's the power of resurrection faith and I think that's what Mark is trying to move us toward don't walk in fear walk in resurrection faith so here's what I want us to take home with us today Christ's resurrection brings the assurance of a beautiful future and encouragement for handling the scars of the present most of you probably recognize the name John Dewey. You've, well, maybe you've heard of the Dewey Decimal System. All right, John Dewey was, um, he considered himself a humanist. He did not believe in God and um, was very progressive, you might say, in a lot of ways. He married, really, his soulmate. Her name was Alice Chipman. And uh, she was a very brilliant woman herself, uh, a Ph.D. from the University of Michigan. But, and, and together they had six children. And they just had this incredible love for each other. In 1927, Alice died. And John Dewey, this humanist who didn't believe in God, he went to a New York City, a very well-known New York City minister. And he said, I would like for you to preach my wife's funeral. And the minister said, uh, well now, you realize that if I'm going to preach her funeral, I'm going to preach, the, that, uh, preach about the resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to preach that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm going to preach about Jesus. And he said, I'm okay with that. And you know what? It just goes to show everybody needs hope hope for a beautiful future and you're not going to find it anywhere else the only place you'll ever find hope for a beautiful future and the resources to really to uh, to navigate the the scars of this world there's only one place you'll find it and that's in Jesus Christ because only he is risen from the grave 
And I pray that today you'll put your trust in him. If you've never done that, you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, do that this morning. And he will change your life for the better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the words that Mark has recorded for us that remind us of the resurrection of Christ and the impact that it should have in our daily lives. You know, if you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Christ, would you talk to God right now? Just talk to him and tell him that you want to become a believer in Jesus Christ. Ask him for the faith to believe in Christ as your Savior. Father, our our prayer is that you will do a work in hearts today. Only you can do it in bringing people to faith and strengthening our faith as believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, I give you my heart. Pastor. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. this morning our elders are up front if you'd like to pray with somebody or talk to us about salvation we're here and we're available also if you're going to take one of your lilies or your ferns home be sure to do that today and uh, give them a nice home it's good to see everybody this morning on this beautiful Easter morning let's have a closing prayer Father thank you for our salvation which you have paid for and bought and taken care of And all we need to do is trust in what Christ has done for us. May we be humble, weak, and able to just reach up and take that wonderful gift that you provide us today. 
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that song the pastor was talking about. Because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the Life is worth the living just because he lives. 